Christian Stein is the founder and managing director of Stein IP. He also heads up the intellectual property department of the firm and is responsible for the oversight of the firm's business functions, marketing, and public relations initiatives. He is a practicing attorney with over 15 years of experience in intellectual property, which includes employment at the National Trademarks Office. He has a great passion for IP law, especially in the creative sectors, uh, and has a specific expertise and interest in trademarks, copyright, and domain disputes. So welcome, Christian. Um, we've we've already, already got uh, a bit of uh, the 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 chit chat out of the way, um, and uh, I'm super keen to uh, to dive into all of the the stuff that we're about to um, to chat about. So yeah, I don't know if you'd like to maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, um, so we can capture it on the record because we had all that kind of discussion before we pressed record. So um, let's let's rehash some of that for the listeners. Yeah, um, well, thanks, Megan. Uh, I'm Christian Stein. Um... At a law firm, Stain IP, uh, we are intellectual property specialists, uh, meaning we deal with trademarks, patents, copyright designs, AI recently, um, with AI going up, as well as any other aspects of intellectual property and flowing from that. Uh, I won't bore the listeners with more about us. I'm sure somewhere there will be a link and they can go check us out, especially on social media. Um, yeah, we are lawyers with an active social media page, which I think people don't always expect, but they'll, yeah, they'll very see different. <laughs> yeah, and, and also see some of our clientele. Um, we, we have not your traditional clientele. Um, what I mean by that is, yes, we've got your corporate companies and mining companies and engineering companies, but a large part of our business is focused on the creative industries, uh, musicians, uh, artists, uh, the liquor industry, um, winemakers, brewers, things like that, um, which which we pride ourselves in being able to 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 assist those clients with complex aspects like intellectual property law in a affordable and an understandable approach. I mean, I, I think just the vibe of our firm and you now are talking to us and for anybody that wants to come visit our firm, it, it speaks for itself. We do what we do and we do it properly, but we do it in our client's language, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of that very uh, Steve Jobs vibe. Um, like super, he was super tech, but he wore like black turtlenecks the whole time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, just because you... You're like super intellectual doesn't mean that you have to wear a suit and tie. Um, yes. But yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just as a, a kickoff and a random uh, point about me is that um, I wanted to be a lawyer and my mother told me I was way too lazy. So um, I don't know. Uh, well, uh Laziness is, I suppose, on a spectrum um, because I'm a writer in the tech industry now and uh, you can't really be too yeah, lazy you, with that. But no. uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I would have struggled with the studying aspects of, of law. Um, I don't envy you guys. No, yeah, we, we read and research is, I mean, that's majority of the work we do is just tons and tons of research and reading and constant study. So yeah. Yeah. If somebody told me I'm going to become a lawyer when I was a kid, I'm like, no, I want to be a rock star. Um, and then, <laughs> well, things just happened the way they, they did. But 
it's I have to be honest. The amount of study, constant study, I'm going to refer to it as mm. that, in our industry, the only reason I like it is because I actually love what I do. It's constant interest and something new and um, new developments. And again, take AI for an example. The challenges and the excitement and the opportunities that the advancement in AI um, brought just opened a new area to every industry as well as the intellectual property law um, industry on various fronts, not just for the challenges for our clients, but also the abilities we can then adopt and simplify what we do. Mm. Yeah, I get excited about that. So study work is only study and work if you don't like it. If you like it, it's hobby. I'm not saying my job is hobby, but you 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 would understand <laughs> i get you what you say yeah what's that um if you if you love what yeah. you do you'll never work a day in your life That's... i i disagree with that though because um i work freaking hard um yeah. i no, spend no. more but, time but in front of my computer but working. i yeah i That's don't i don't want to split my wrists at the end of every yeah. day so yeah. I, <laughs> I enjoy going to work i enjoy getting up and facing the challenges because i love what i do and the, i think yeah. that's that's the same it's just the same with you 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 mentioned you you enjoy what you do yes you we work a hell of a lot but we don't mind mm. yeah so um you've mentioned ai and obviously that's what we were what we want to chat about in this mm. conversation but before we get to ai and how it's impacting ip and copywriting um maybe you could give us a foundation from which to work um, and provide us with a bit of an overview of IP and copyright law in the general, general terms, because that for me is already a bit of a gray area. And now adding AI to the mix is making it even murkier. So let's let's build a foundation and then we can dive okay. into the AI aspect. That is a very good way to start. Um, so before we go into copyright, I think the foundation should start at the beginning. Um, intellectual property, intellectual property and intellectual property law and what that is. Intellectual property law is just a group name for intellectual property related protection. Um, And it's categorized in patent law, which relates to invention, um, whether it's it's, um, something like an internal combustion engine or a chemical compound or method of manufacturing or things like that. It's a new invention that's out of the ordinary. That's patent law. It protects that invention, irrespective Mm. of the name or irrespective of what it looks like. It's the invention of of new things. Mm. Design law protects the design elements of of, of things, the aesthetics and functionality of certain things, but it focuses on what stuff looks like. Again, you need to look at novelty, newness, um, in patents and in design law, it needs to be something not yet in that industry anywhere in the world. Um, so that, that's those two. Uh, in South Africa, I do have to mention we don't have patents for um, software. You can't have patent protection for software in South African law, um, which is relevant to AI because AI is obviously mm. software. At, in, or at the core of it, it's, it's an algorithm, but it's based on software um, principles. Mm. And you can't protect software. Yes, you can protect the implication and the the um, application of software, but that that becomes very technical through patent law. So there might be some some aspect to some areas of uh, of AI, 
but it's so technical and so so specific that I don't think we we even need to chat about it now. Reason I'm mentioning that is if there's somebody listening that is a AI developer, then come talk to us and we can look at that. That's more towards your development side and your your application of the software side that we mm. might look into. Um, and design law, look, there's not really any design law elements when it comes to software and a, um, AI. The only design law that might have relevance is the fact that you can with some designs protect interface platform interface what they look like mm. um, and again yeah you, you can look at some ai generative ai interfaces where you can you look at the protection but again yeah we look we're talking to the developers when we look at um, patents and designs and if they even are relevant to specific key software um, protocols what Mm. then comes more relevant especially again we're building the base but towards the the ai landscape is patents not relevant designs not really relevant copyright and trademarks yes they become relevant why copyright is sort of self-explanatory you've got software Software is protected through copyright. Copyright is automatic right you gain in in creating any form of work, um, creative works subject to th- those being um, one of those classified in the Copyright Act. But software is copyrighted work. And you as a creator of the software, you as the developer, um, would be the author of said software. The owner of the software might be you or might be somebody else, depending on the relationship between the author and the owner. And that becomes technical. We don't need to go into too much detail. But the main thing you have to remember is you as the person that created the software, created the AI, will always be the author of that. The owner might be a third party. It might be a company for which you are employed to. Or it might be you yourself or a combination of them. Again, that's very technical. Mm. and developers should talk to us about that um yeah copyright that's the ownership aspect of copyright one thing that also needs to be concerned about copyright is obviously a lot of works have copyright music um literature art all of those things have copyright and how the infringement of copyright has it has implication on ai AI, that AI is infringing my copyright. We'll, we'll go mm. into details on that, but yeah, that yeah. aspect um, is there. So there's ownership aspect of copyright and AI and the infringement aspect of copyright in AI. Mm. And then there's the trademark aspect. A lot of people don't look at the trademark aspect or don't regard it there, there naturally, but it is part and parcel to any software, including AI, for one simple reason. I have an AI called X, Y, and Z, or in our case, let's say I know. Um, mm. You would know why, why I refer to that AI. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I know is an AI. I know is the name of the AI. The AI also has an image and a logo and a persona that is identifiable. And all of those are trademarks. Why? Because it is what we call and find and use to identify and distinguish and search for the ai it's the brand related to the ai it's the mm. nike tick on the side of the shoe the shoe mm. being the ai i know 
being the name. Um, mm. And that's why trademarks are so important in AI is when you look at AI, each of them have a name. You don't just have this AI. You have specific ones that fulfill specific um, purposes. And those names have standard trademark law application. You can't be similar or confusingly similar to your competitor. You can't infringe certain things. You can't, again, now it comes to the use. You can't use existing and well-known trademarks to try and promote your AI and vice versa. So there's a trademark application there as well. But the main IP law focused on AI is copyright because of the software at the end of the day. It's a mm-hmm. code that you wrote, and therefore it is copyright. Very simplified, but that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So as far as I understand, because uh, like we were chatting before we pressed record, um, I work a lot in the AI uh, sector. And I, as far as I understand the generative AI issue when it comes to copyright, there's three different angles, and you've mentioned some of them already. Um, first is when the AIs, uh, when the AI developers use data to train their models, there is a chance that some of that data is proprietary. Um, and I think that OpenAI that invented ChatGPT is sitting with that problem. They scraped in, information off of the internet, and um, a lot of it was copyrighted, but it was uh, it was used to train this um, this giant large language model. Um, the second is the model themselves is the IP of the developer, which you've mentioned already. Um, you know, how do they protect their work in a in a marketplace where, you know, um, imitation is the height of flattery, but it means that their their work was copied. Uh, and then the third one is um, relevant for for what I do really, because I'm a content creator, and I. I I've started telling people that I'm an AI augmented writer because I do use AI in my processes. And, I, you know, that's a whole different discussion. I think that people that are not using AI yet are eventually going to get left behind. But, um, you know, when, when you use AI to help you create content or create ideas, where does who owns that product? Because now you've kind of co-created it. Where yes. does the attribution lie, essentially? So those are the three kind of facets um that from my brain uh that that i can kind of think of where where kind of the copyright stuff yeah. comes in so i don't know where you'd like to start maybe um, um let's maybe start with the development of the ai stuff yeah, and then kind yeah, of work through it there. Well, i think yeah um let's start then that, that comes down to ai and copyright has remember i mentioned there's the creation the ownership and then there's mm. the infringement side. Obviously, they are yep. related because you infringe somebody else's ownership and ownership, you create your own. On the mm. ownership side, you have, like like you rightly um, distinguished, you've got your developer ownership. Those are the guys that own the copyright or created the copyright um, in the application itself, the language, the software, the code, the AI, whatever you want. Um, everybody refers to it differently, but let's say, they're AI. They created mm. an AI code. Therefore, they are the author and partially the, the, the owner or the owner. Let's take OpenAI, mm. for example. They OpenAI is an entity. The entity can't write code. Um, mm. They've got employees that write code. So the employees would be regarded as the authors. Obviously, they are not the owners because they're employed to write code. Therefore, yep. OpenAI, the entity, becomes the owner. 
they will be known as the developer, OpenAI developed the software for ChatGPT, um, and they are the developer. They own the copyright. They might have contracts in place and, and um, collaboration deals in place and things like that, but now you're venturing into contract law about ownership of uh, asset being IP. But the copyright ownership, for, for the sake of argument and simplicity, of the AI itself, not what the AI creates, and I'm putting that in inverted commas mm. to create, but the AI itself, the software application known as the AI, is owned by the developer, the company that owns the developer. In this case, for our scenario, the AI is ChatGPT, OpenAI is the entity owning the copyright in the software of ChatGPT. So hmm. that's the first one to start with. Very straightforward. It's similar to books and music and things like that. Ownership hmm. is owned by the owner. Um, or the, the rights are owned by the owner. And they can obviously leverage it and license it and use it how they see fit as long as it falls within the parameters of law. Um, now you come to ownership of the generative content. At the end of the day, one thing I do need to make, make clear to, to people is although we as a society refer to these models, these software pro, um, programs and pl platforms as artificial intelligence, they are not artificial intelligence in the core of it. They don't have true artificial intelligence capabilities. I'm not saying they won't have eventually, but the ones we currently see is referred to as AI, but it is not really true artificial intelligence. It's a language model that takes content and gives content. They need mm. an input to have a specific output. They don't, they don't, they are not self-aware. They mm -hmm. can mimic self-awareness, but they are not. I know there are development and talks toward it, towards it, and for years before before AI became this massive thing um, like it is currently, talks and developments have already been in place with, um, with regulators and with the legal industries um, where, we sh where they said, this is, this is going to become a concern. We need to address this. We need to address how it's going to be implicated. We need to address the laws to, to align it with this new technology. So it's, although it's new to the public, it's been in discussion, like you would obviously know, mm, a discussion mm. about, guys, we can't just let this run run wild. Um, so, sorry, I'm, I'm veering off the point slightly, but, but no it's, it's, it's relevant there. But yeah. when it comes to the creation through artificial intelligence, the generative AI, people must remember it's an input export. Um, mm. The creation, AI can create, but they have a human input or another input. Therefore, mm. the ownership of the created content, the output from the AI, is not owned by the AI. The AI cannot own in law any IP. That's, yes, there's been some tests. Um, there is actually in South Africa a patent where the AI owns the patent. But it's because of the way the law is structured. It, it, it's not as simple as an AI filed a patent. It's just, it's, it's a test. Um, and we've got a, 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 
a submission on on AI, a deposit a system on um, sorry, not on AI on patents, where you can file a patent because there's no formal review process. There's administrative things, and I won't complicate it. But in South Africa, AI can be recorded as the owner of of IP, but theoretically, it's not. Um, what actually happens is whoever controls the AI might own the output, the the the, the generative data, or whoever uses the AI to create the data owns the data, or a combination of the two. And and th this is again, uh, let's use ChatGPT as a scenario because a lot of people would know this. Um, mm. I use ChatGPT. I tell ChatGPT, please write me a novel or a short story about a vinyl that becomes alive and walks around and starts doing his own music. And obviously, ChatGPT sure. within seconds will write me a short script for a short story. ChatGPT does not own the script. The entity that owns ChatGPT, in this case OpenAI, might own the script, the output. Or me that instructed the AI to put this output might own the output or combination mm -hmm. of the two. The reason I, I put this as might, might, um, is it depends on the T's and C's that everybody ticks and nobody reads. What <laughs> they say yep. there. If you read the, those, and I, I need to be honest, I, I, I use ChatGTP and I can't recall every single thing that those T's and C's say. Mm. But they, I know OpenAI has rights to reuse the content that's generated through the AI. Therefore, they own a portion or at least some aspects of the content. You as the user of the AI to create this content also own certain aspects to the content. And why I say certain aspects, copyright law is very complex. In one piece of work, there might be multiple authors and there might be multiple owners. Um, mm. And it, take a book, the simplest form of copyright, for example, an old school textbook. The original author has certain rights, but the publisher also has rights, and the illustrator has rights. And the first publication and the second publication might have been done through two different publishers, and therefore there's two different publishers that have rights. Um, so it becomes very technical when it comes to ownership of the created content or the created work through the use of AI. And if you can take AI and you use it and you say, okay, well, AI is the paintbrush I use. AI is my paintbrush. The paintbrush can't own it. The mm. paint, there might be a relationship where a guy that gave me the paintbrush might own certain things and me as the painter owns certain aspects to it. But AI can't own because the AI is a tool. And yeah. the moment people understand that, that's where it comes to the ownership. Um, so yes, you as the user might own, but please bear in mind that the entity that owns the AI might also own. Okay, so attribution, attribution yeah. goes to the person prompting the AI. Yeah. Um, prompting it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and there's a difference between, again, remember I mentioned authorship and ownership. Attribution mm. goes to the author. Ownership. Okay. 
is who is whoever owns it and that's where the t's and c's comes in it's very important for mm. people to read those t's and c's because they differ on different ai generative ai platforms but the yeah. attribution would go to the author in this case you inputting the rules or the the chat um into the ai to have a specific output means you are the attributed author and hmm. and um that I, I want listeners to bear that what i just said said in mind you as the create you create and when we come to the discussion about okay how does um how does infringement fall into this generative ai remember what i just said um and i think i'll pause there because before we go into infringement let's deal mm. with ownership um first yeah cool okay. um i'm i'm happy for you to to kind of oh. go on because i've oh, i've, I've okay. got a i've got a question uh, which i think relates to infringement which is yes. essentially if the output includes um, yeah. copyrighted material from the training da the data training yes. set you've essentially infringed on on that copyright yeah. and so does that mean you are liable uh, yeah and but, that, that, yeah, that, yeah that, that's why i said people must remember what i just said that you are using a tool to create a specific output when mm. we come to infringement now obviously there's now again two forms of infringement that the owner the creator of the ai not the creator of the output but the creator of the ai in this case again using open ai as an example and please listeners must just be be um, vigilant about this i'm purely using this as an example for ease of reference i am not saying open ai is doing this i'm just mm -hmm. using them as an example um, but let's replace open ai with aix so aix is the owner of AIP. Um, so AIX is the company that created AIP. They then, AIX, the company, the entity, trained the um, protocol, the AIP, by using everything on the internet. They did not care about whether it is copyrighted or not. They just gave the AI access to the internet and started inputting training data now obviously there might be some content and there's un inevitably content that the data that the ai used or that the aix the company used to train the the protocol through infringing third-party copyright why mm. because w for one simple reason i own what i create argument's sake um, i own the book i wrote or the publisher owns the book I wrote, if the um, company that, that, that um, teaches and, and programs the AI uses my book to train the AI without my, my or the publisher's authorization, then they are infringing my content. Mm. Straightforward. But it becomes technical for one specific reason. When you publish things on the internet, you usually use third-party sites. The majority of people um, would use third-party sites, either social media sites or something similar. And again, it comes back to the, the, the um, T's and C's. Are you, 
when you post something on social media, you might have given free access to the social media platform to reuse and reshare and commercialize your copyright that you posted on their site without having to, you gave them authority to do so. Including the, the authority for, P, for AI developers to use the content to train their AI. So just because I created art from scratch, I painted in the traditional way and I posted it on social media and then the AI company used that, that picture I posted to train the AI how to paint similar pictures does not mean they infringed my copyright because I might have already provided authorization through third parties. So it becomes very technical. You need to be sure that you actually still own the copyright or have not given away authorization through various means and third parties and publications and T's and C's that you didn't read and understand com completely before you say, no, it's infringing my AI. Oh, that AI company is infringing my copyright because they are training their AI using it. They are likely training mm -hmm. their, their AI. I'm not saying all of them do it legitimately, but it becomes technical. You, it's not just automatic. Plus, you have to be able to prove that they actually did use your, your art or your text. And the nature of generative AI is it does not create anything that's existing and it does not create anything that has been created by it before. That's the nature of generative AI. It might mimic mm. it. So how do you prove somebody infringed your copyright when you can't prove that there's similarity? It becomes very technical. I'm not, again, I'm not saying there isn't infringement. There, there's undoubtedly infringement. Proving mm. it, it becomes, becomes complicated. And not only proving that I am the owner or the author, but proving that I have rega or re regained my rights and not given open access to it. Uh, so, so that that is one thing, and, and we see a lot of law, um, legal cases where people come and like, no, the, the AI infringed my my artwork. Okay, great. How do you know this? No, because mm -hmm. it generates art that's similar to mine. Okay, but is your art so unique that it can't just be similar to someone else's? Isn't it just an art style? How do you say it's your art? Did it create an exact rap replica? of your artwork yes then it's infringement but this brings us to the second part of infringement yes great so clearly it used your data to to learn through the third part or through the owner to learn the data else it wouldn't have been able to create the third part um, the exact replica mm -hmm. but the user the person not the, not a owner of the ai but the user of this ai the person that created the prompt they might have infringed because for them to create an exact replica of the Mona Lisa they need to go and type a very deep, they need to tell the AI to infringe the Mona Lisa therefore <laughs> the infringer would be the creator the prompter that, that prompted the AI to create the infringing material if I go and say, and I'm going to use one of my clients, I know he's, he's, he's happy with me using him as an example in a discussion like this because we, we have used him before with his permission. Um, 
The client is an artist. He's a digital artist called Bonsai Sumiso. Um, he creates digital art, but he creates his own very, very unique style of digital art. He still draws it in the traditional old school way and is his style. If mm. I now go onto um, one of these, these generative art creating AIs and I say, please create a copy of Darth Vader from Star Wars in the style of Bonsai Sumiso. Here's a link for reference. Um, and then let them fight with Pikachu from Pokemon. Mm. I right there infringed Disney and Lu Lucasfilm through the Star Wars reference. I infringed the Pokemon aspect as well as I infringed Bonsai Sumiso. How do I know this? I told the AI to infringe all of them. I said, mm. use X and Y and Z. The AI and the owner of the AI is not necessarily an infringer. The user, the painter using the tool to create infringing article becomes the infringer, not the AI owner. Yes, again, the training model aspect is something you can look at, and there's areas. But the person that creates the infringing content becomes the infringer of your rights. And that's usually the scenario we would be looking at um, out of experience, when, when we say, <laughs> see AI infringed, no, somebody used AI to actively choose and infringe yours. And this comes to the ethical <laughs> discussion, which I think we'll have later on. But Yeah, but, yeah. So, so like you can see, copyright, which is a com complex law in itself, thrown into AI, which is a con complex and misunderstood tech aspect together mm. becomes this the word i want to use i won't but it becomes this <laughs> complicated conglomeration of things that people don't understand because they are complex and that is where these con comments on social media from from artists comes like the ai is taking our jobs it's not really it just look at the use of it. It's not mm. taking your job because cameras didn't take artists' jobs. So when cameras came ab uh, um, uh, above, it's a tool for new mm. development. But the humans using that tool might use it incorrectly. Yeah. It's the same kind of with, uh, you know, calculators didn't get rid of accountants. Yes. Um, but uh, they did, uh, you know, push some accountants to become more, yes. well, creative accountants. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, like, you know, so um, if, if I'm understanding correctly, then um, the, the person prompting can essentially, um, for, for lack of a better terminology, is essentially now potentially an, a, a forger. You know, it, it gone are the days where you used to kind of get the... Uh, the lead-based paint and all that kind of thing yeah. to make a, a forger of a painting. Now you can forge stuff online by prompting. So you don't even have to have much talent. You just have to know how to prompt. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> need, to, you need to know how to describe. And, and that, that's, yeah. that's the thing. But, but again, yeah, it comes to the prompter. It comes to the human infringing, the human mm. um, creating a counterfeit piece, the human creating something, something he knows is taking somebody else's right. Um, 
Mm. And then again, it now there is another question of use and whether that use he had falls within the category of infringement in terms of copyright law or if it's one of those fair dealing aspects. Please bear in mind, South Africa does not have fair use. We have fair dealing as an exclusion to copyright. Currently, the copyright law is being amended. Um, mm. It's likely going to be a new copyright law soon. And then a lot of this discussion, we'll have to have another one to now say, okay, well, how does it impact the new copyright law? But in the current law that's in place, we don't have fair use. We have fair dealing, and fair dealing has very specific listed exclusions to copyright infringement. One of them is personal use. And personal use is exactly that, personal. It's not commercial, mm. it's not public, it's personal use. Um, so me creating somebody, something for my personal use that looks like um, two Star Wars and Pokemon combined, but it's personal mm. use. Yes, it's infringement, but it's an exclusion to the infringement in terms of South African law because it's, I'm using it for my personal, not even benefit, for my personal enjoyment. I'm putting it mm. on my wall in my house that nobody else will see but me and my friends. Mm. The moment I use it in a commercial sense, then it's not an exclusion, then it's infringement. The moment I start posting it and telling people, look at this art I created, it becomes, it's blurring those lines. And yeah. to be, be fair, there's no real, it's still fairly... Uh, uh, a matter of interpretation and application to law. It's not always mm. a clear-cut case. Now, you've mentioned South Africa, and obviously the, we're both South African, we're both based here, you know, you deal with South African law, but now AI is obviously global. So how um, how are we navigating that water? Because, um, you know, AI set, uh, foundation models have been trained on, like, global data sets. Yeah. Um, you know, you you use the South African example of the the artist, the digital artist. Uh, what happens if you, you know, uh, forge, for lack of a better term, um, the Mona Lisa? Like, you know, where does that fall in terms of the um, the copyright law? Whose law are we under? Under are we under the the AI model who's based in the US? Or we've now forged the Mona Lisa. So are we like under Italian law? Uh, we're in <laughs> South Africa, so you know, like how where is because obviously we don't have that kind of international regulation on AI yet. Um, I know everyone's kind of waiting for the US to come up with a solution, and then Europe will follow, and then the laggards, which is everyone else, will will catch up eventually. Um, but uh, you know, there's no kind of regulation or anything at this stage. So when it comes to these kind of copyright infringements, where where do we lie from a, a global versus local perspective? Well, um, yeah, there, there's no no true AI law in place um, yet. But remember, right in the beginning, I said we we need to look at AI. Yes, it's AI, but at the core of it, it's a software code. It's code. So it's copyright mm. law. Um, if you infringe through through AI, likely it is you're going to infringe copyright law. And the principles of international and cross-boundary and cross-border copyright infringement has been set for numerous years. There's treaties between countries. There's national organizations like WIPO and other national organi international organizations 
that that facilitate intellectual property across borders. There, like I said, there's treaties between countries. There's there is an international. I'm, I'm going to say an international standard of dealing with infringement. So yeah, mm. AI is new, but infringement is not. So mm. when we look at infringement, um, the general law is you follow the the jurisdiction, meaning if the infringer infringes in South Africa, then he's under South African law with a lot of exceptions, please. I, I do need to make that clear. Yeah, what no, I'm saying sure. now is very basic. Yeah. There's so many aspects to consider. Mm. Um, but if, if through treaties and international um, organizations and things like that, they might fall under American law. And what mm. was infringed? And who are the two parties going up against each other? Um, the example you used about a Mona Lisa is actually a good example for one, one reason. Copyright becomes public after a while. Copyright stops to exist after a while. Yes, the, the, the work continues to exist, but the right the author and owner has in terms of copyright ceases to exist. It becomes, um, it becomes public domain. Um, mm. Mona Lisa, for instance, it became public domain years ago, um, meaning mm. people can use it. Which does not mean people can say they painted it. It's it's still the Mona Lisa. You can't make forgeries of the Mona Lisa and sell it as the Mona Lisa. Um, yeah, but it, it's a good example. But you also need to bear in mind that certain things are already in the public domain, meaning it's fair to use and free to use, subject to um, the correct steps being taken and and still stating it's an author stating it's an adaptation of the Mona Lisa things like that um, again we won't don't need to go into all of that but that can be taken into account and mm. here again it comes under under which law does that work that is claimed to be infringed falls South Africa has 50 years years copyright laws uh, um, rights subject to a few 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 things America, for instance, has more than that. Um, mm. Some countries has less than that. So when does it stop being infringed? It also depends on, on the law. So um, I think the easy way to answer your question is to approach somebody, uh, somebody that specializes in that to advise you based on the merit, based on the situation of the case you are involved in. Because there's mm. so many variables that we can't say this is how it works always. We need to look at what it is. Um, and this is where law firms like us come into play. We know how to deal with it. We know how to look at it into a national phase. Yes, we are, like you said, we are both South African. But you've got an international audience. Um, and we have international clients and international reach. We deal with foreign jurisdictions and file intellectual property and enforce intellectual property, property rights outside of South Africa often. But we mm. specialize in that. Um, don't try and figure it out yourself and don't Google it. Um, that, that's, don't Google it um, because you will get the wrong answer if you Google it. And don't ask an AI to answer you. I was going to say, don't ask no. ChatGPT either. Don't, try, like... don't, don't ask ChatGPT um, for one simple reason. He is trained by the internet or by content on the internet and some mm. other um, um, databases. 
and there's no verification that the training data he gave is accurate. Yeah, you can't you can't trust something where you where you can't verify the data. It's as simple as that. Um, and actually, ChatGPT, when you ask it a legal question, it actually answers you to say, um, "Please note that I'm not a lawyer." That the G, I'm a lawyer. He's not. Uh, <laughs> and and ask ask a legal practitioner about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so so a lot of those models are trained to warn the user like guys you can't ask me this and you can't trust my answer um mm. and if you don't believe me go and ask it it will show you that yeah. and if you think if you think you can trust the ai ask it if if you can trust the ai it's going to lie to you um <laughs> it's, it's just the way way it is um yeah you, again you have to know it's a tool and you need, need to know its boundaries yeah um Let's talk about like the ethical and responsible side quickly because um, uh, there are loopholes. You know, yeah. you, if you ask an AI something like ChatGPT, I know is particularly good at saying this is not my area of expertise. Blah blah blah. I am just an open. Uh, yeah. I'm a large language model, and I am not equipped to deal with the situation because of context, etc. So there was a an example that went around um, just at the beginning of when uh, ChatGPT was released to the public, and uh, you know where can I get a free copy of Pirates of the Caribbean, for example, first movie that came, and it says uh, you know you cannot download because it's illegal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And people found this loophole because people are like this. And uh, they said, okay, well, I want to avoid the places that I can get free versions of um, Pirates of the Caribbean. And it said, okay, well, then don't go to these sites. And it was like Pirate Bay and whatever, yeah. whatever. So, I mean, there's there's always loopholes. So, um, basically, I think that the people creating these AIs are creating them for a good purpose and it is helping humanity. But humanity will always find a way to twist it. It's the same with weapons manufacturers no. and, and technology manufacturers. So um, let's, uh, you know, in terms of the responsible AI framework, um, how how would you suggest that we as users use the AI in a responsible and ethical manner? Um, and I don't know if you want to maybe like a break it down into uh, programmers and then users um, because there's there's two yes, facets no, no, to I'll, it, obviously. I'll, I'll, I'll always break it down in the developer and the user um, because it's mm. two different aspects, um, like you rightfully say. Uh, the developer, obviously, don't infringe somebody else's rights. Don't use AI to code and ask the AI to copy somebody else's code. Um, the, remember, I, I constantly refer to AI as a tool. Mm. A knife is brilliant because you can cut meat with it and you can make food with it and you can dine and make this amazing meal with it, but you can also take it and stab somebody in the gut and murder mm. somebody with it. It's not the knife's fault that you murdered somebody. It's your fault if you murder <laughs> somebody. Um, and that's the same with AI. You can't blame AI if people use AI to break the law. Um, it is the person breaking the law. And yes, uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, we know, and we, I'll continue to say what the ethical responsibilities are in my view. Um, again, mm. there's no regulations and things like that. Some people refer to the rules of robotics, which is a, a, constru- uh, a construct 
that came up in books and films um, that people apply those three three laws of robotics. Some some people refer to I think it's a Vosburg um, principles when it comes to AI, but none of them are drafted towards AI. They are fictional or theoretical or um, academic principles in theory that people now try and apply to a new to a model that previously was fictional. AI used mm. to be a fictional construct. Therefore, somebody made up the three rules of robotics. And now all of a sudden, we're like, oh, wait, we, we are sitting with AI. Can't we just apply that? And it's like, like yeah, you can, but you need to adopt it. Um, but it's human ethic, ethical. Um, humans need to be ethical. And at the end of the day, if you, t- you tell people to use it ethically, those who do not want to use it ethically will not use it ethically. We can't do it. Um, mm. So it comes down to the same thing that it's the user and the developer's responsibility. Firstly, the developer's responsibility to ensure that he doesn't infringe, but also to ensure that he has taken sufficient steps and measures to as far as reasonably possible. And again, I I, I put that in place for the same principle as the knife. As far as reasonably possible, you need to ensure that your tool is not used for to break the law. But you can't ensure it's not. There's no way mm. to, to ensure 100% that somebody's not going to break the law with it because it's still a human and it's still a choice. Um, but as far as reasonably possible, ensure that your code, your AI, is programmed and structured in such a way that it is at least reasonably not possible to break the law. I'm not saying people won't. But you, you mm. as a developer, has that uh, that responsibility to ensure that it is within the boundaries of ethical um, principles and legal principles. And again, um, ChatGPT to an extent applies that, where they say, "I'm not a lawyer; I, I, I can't answer you on this." But at the end of the day, getting around it is still a language model. Mm. Asking it a negative post question will get the answer that you want it because you are human and you can still interpret it as you want. Um, so that's your ethical, uh, my view, the ethical aspects in a nutshell what the developer needs to entail. Taking law into account, obviously. And ethic, ethical standards are set in any industry. So you as a developer should know what, what the ethical standards are when you develop things. Um, mm. And when it comes to the user as well, the users are slightly different, especially when it comes to generative AI. A lot of people just generally don't know. They, they are not artists, therefore they do not understand the principle of copyright in artwork. People that are artists understand that I can't just copy somebody else's art piece. It's wrong. They don't need mm. to know the technicalities of it, but they know it's wrong. Some still choose to do it, and therefore that's their own ethical boundaries. I can't force the paintbrush not to paint. I need to know that I'm not allowed to paint this type thing. Um, but the problem we've got, or the problem, the scenario we have, and the, 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 the reality is because of the nature of generative AI, you open a creative ability to people that usually did not have it, which is brilliant. It's, it's an amazing tool. It opens boundaries that, that used to be there. It, it gives people the ability, I can't paint, but I know what I want it to look like and I can write. Therefore, I will write and the AI will paint, which is mm. amazing. It, it's, it's something that I get excited about if I think about it. Um, 
and I mean, there, there, there was a guy that won an art competition through his AI artwork, but he wrote like, I think it was 15 pages of prompt to get oh, to wow. this top. He knew <laughs> yeah. how to describe what he wanted, but he can't paint to save mm. his life. So he described this scenario and the AI took it and painted it, which is brilliant. It's, it's, it's creation. Um, but people don't always understand. Um, AI is used by schools and all of a sudden the, the scholars are like, oh, look, I can make Darth Vader look like, um, look like Batman. The reason I'm saying mm. that is I've seen many versions of that. Um, it's brilliant. It's awesome. It looks amazing. But you're infringing two massive parties. You're infringing Warner Brothers and Disney through copying this. And mm. if you start selling that artwork as you're, yeah, you created it, but you're infringing somebody else's artwork. It comes down to, before, there, there's an ethical question there. But before we can deal with the ethics, we need to deal with the education of public. Mm. Not the developers. They, know, they are supposed to know their ethical boundaries and they are supposed to know their law. You can't, you can't go and say, no, I didn't know. It's not a defense. Ignorance is not a defense. Same yeah. to the public, but... I think it's more strict on the developers. They need to know. They mm. can't say they didn't know. But the public needs to be educated because all of a sudden you have the ability to infringe where you did not know. Again, you can't claim you didn't know. If you infringe, you infringe. The law is the law. Um, but there's an ethical duty on the public at large as well as on the developers. But government, schools, people that know Everybody, actually, in my view, uh, me and you, have a mm. responsibility. Hence, the reason we are doing this podcast. Yeah, to yeah. Educate people on. Okay, guys, you now need to make sure that you understand the basics of copyright and the basics of how you need to ethically approach this. And a lot of people that would have thought, "Oh, wait, no." The moment you explain it to them, like, oh, I, "I honestly didn't know. I'm taking this off." Mm. We see that often where, where we see people infringing and we're like, we, send, we don't even send them a letter of demand. We send them a very friendly email or call and say, guys, you're infringing our client's rights. Do you know this? And they're like, no. And we're like, then we explain it to them and like, we are so sorry. We honestly didn't know and they take it off. Mm. Um, but mm. it's education. And the education needs to be first and foremost, I think, on government and regulators and influencers in this industry's um, mind to say, how do we prevent this? How do, how do we create the ethical standard for people to adhere by? Because AI is a thing of the future. We, AI is there to stay. It's like you said, people not adopting AI will be left behind, which mm -hmm. I completely agree with. Um, but it, it, I keep coming back to it's the human aspect to it. It's the humans that infringe, the human that decides to do the, to use it in an incorrect, illegal way. And therefore, it's the human element we need to focus on. Mm. The human needs to apply his ethics and the human needs to understand the right from the wrong and the laws surrounding AI and surrounding the infringement, the copyright and trademark infringement yeah. possibilities through it. And unfortunately, we'll always get the people that like, okay, so where can't I find it? You will always find the infringers that mm. actively infringe. It's the Nate and it's why I've got a job. Um, 
it's <laughs> we can't prevent that everywhere, um, but we need to understand the principles, and we need to. Again, it comes. I, I know I ham on this off constantly, but it's the education aspect to it. Yeah, but it it really is. And um, I I read years ago before AI, you know, became like a big public domain issue. It was like for tech nerds and whatever on the back end. But um, uh, just, uh, I think it was related actually to the advent of social media um, and how people have become addicted to the likes of Facebook and TikTok, etc. And um, human evolution has slowed down and we're not evolving fast enough to actually deal with the tech in correct when, when tech is starting to deal uh, to to manage us rather than the other way around um and i mean at the end of the day like you say these things are tools and we need to be using them as soon as they start using you yeah. you are a, a slave to the tech so um yeah i mean it it is all about uh education and i just i don't know this, this is now a hole we're going down a whole different rabbit hole here but <laughs> like uh, let's close that like, rabbit hole I don't know. Uh, we'll call alice <laughs> and we'll deal with that later yeah <laughs> <Sorry>. um <laughs> No, but, uh, you know, like people just seem to thrive on on ignorance, like you say, and then that's their excuse. There's no kind of drive to really educate themselves in, in this. And look, I mean, I'm generalizing here and I'm, I'm making a, a blanket statement, but um, yeah, it's, it's just we've got this fancy, shiny new tool in AI um, and uh, let's see what we can do with it without worrying about what the repercussions are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. No, it's, <laughs> but that happens every time new technology gets involved. You, you used a firearm, uh, the weapon industry, uh, as an example, years ago. Mm. Uh, like years ago, weapons developed and weapons development is there. And as long as there has been development, there has been people incorrectly utilizing it. Um, and that will be the same with AI. Uh, and uh, look, we becoming slaves to technology. I think our grandparents said the same thing to our parents when TVs came out. Um, mm. And it, it's, it's, yes, it became, we, everybody became more aware but as technology starts to become more and more part of everyday life. Um, and we can't get around it. I, I, I think for the foreseeable future, tech will, be a dominant element in everyday life because humans are lazy let's be honest blanket mm -hmm. statement but majority of humans are <laughs> lazy in the sense that we want to find a way to simplify the world which mm -hmm. is it makes sense um i mean we do the same we use um certain elements of technology in our firm to simplify and make things easier and quicker yes we make sure that it's it's done correctly and we make sure and there's always oversight from a human element. But the fact is, mm. take this discussion, for instance, we're using technology. I'm sitting in my law firm in Kempton. You're sitting in your, your studio. We're not close to each other at all, but we're talking like we are across the road yeah. or literally across the table from each other. It's technology we use to simplify life and things. It's nature. It's the way it's not nature, but you know what I mean. Um, it's mm. it's the way we, as humans, evolve. Yeah, we stopped evolving mm. to a certain extent, but we our tech is part of our evolution, in my view. We evolve technology so that we don't have to evolve. Um, 
Mm. which is evolution in its own right, uh, in my opinion, um, which mm. I know a lot of people <laughs> differ from me, but isn't that <laughs> you evolve because you need to adapt. So we just said, okay, well, we'll adapt our environment so that we don't need to adapt. Um, yeah. And uh, it's AI is just a new thing. It's not going to be the last thing. Um, but but I, I don't think... Don't think we ha- we're standing the risk yet of being slaves to AI. Um, again, like I said, AI we refer to is not the Terminator AI we see in films of the 90s. It's not a no. self-aware being. It's still humans for some reason controlling it. Yes, it's advanced like crazy. Um, mm. You know, after AI, we, we have developed in our law firm and the abilities and things she has, and we refer to her as a she because she asked her, <laughs> us to refer to her. She identifies as a female and we didn't oh, train wow. her. She, <laughs> she, crea- she, she, out of her own, started telling us jokes. We didn't train her to tell jokes. Yeah, it's very, very dry lawyer human so we gave her legal <laughs> input and that's why but they have that abilities and they do that they learn themselves to do certain things but mm-hmm. it's because of their code um yes they are not self-aware they don't realize they are beings and therefore they have rights and things like that again yes i'm not saying it's not not something we're getting they can mimic it very 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 good but it's a code mm. principle and yeah they they are they they have an adaptive code most of them um especially the newer versions do that but we need to be very aware that the ai we have is still a human input protocol in some aspect and therefore becoming a, a slave to a, a technology that humans control you're actually becoming a slave to the human that controls the technology rather than mm. technology Take social media, for instance. We're not slaves to social media. We're slaves to the metaverse. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, completely that, agree. That's the thing. Sorry, now the philosopher in me comes, comes across. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I have got a lot of, um, uh, I've got a lot of uh, very strong opinions about um, marketing because, I mean, I work in marketing mm. as well. And um, it's, it's, I, I, very, I feel very much the same way. Like marketing is a tool that can sell a product or remove money from people that don't know any better. You know, it's, um, it's, it's the same framework, really. It can be used for good or, or I won't say evil, <laughs> but uh, not so not good. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and adding adding social media into that, um, it is. Uh, what 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 kind of is the for me the um, the scary thing is the kind of merging of these technologies and psychology. Um, you know that people know how to control someone else, and so they will design a technology or a, an AI in order to do that um, by using these kind of psychological tricks, if you will. You know, like like your notification button is red. Um, and that drives urgency. Like you have to check yeah. your 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 notifications. So, I mean, that to me is the more scary thing. Yeah. Um, what what you're talking about in terms of like generalized AI, I think that right now we're sitting at a at a, a point where 
AI is still very kind of domain specific. We're not at that kind of generalized AI yet. And only once we reach that, could we maybe see it becoming sentient and, um, yeah. and start with the, um, the matrix and the terminators. But I, yeah. I don't, I, I no, think we, that's we, kind of not yeah, going to happen. It, I look, Stranger things have happened before, <laughs> but, but I suppose um, I, <laughs> we're not staring down that slope where the doomsday day sayers and those guys are are heading towards. Um, I had a discussion this morning with with a few colleagues of mine that generally said, the well, lawyer that said AI is going to to take over my job soon, his job soon, and um, he's freaking out about it and stuff. And I'm like, okay, but you know our law firm is developing an AI, uh, AI legal assistant that would be mm. able to address certain questions and answer questions and deal with the basics within the parameters we've taught her, not internet stuff, the content we gave her, um, but to simplify and give clients uh, easy access and a quicker answer on certain things. Turnaround time is easier, and I can offer my services to to the client at a lower rate because mm. a lot of the time that I spend is now facilitated by by AI I trained and the firm trained within specific parameters. And he just looked at me and was like, "Okay, so I'm getting my Glock ready for when you bring it here." I'm like, <laughs> at the end of the day, you will always get the two versions and he's probably going to listen to this and laugh when we say that because we're very close friends but he is unfortunately you have people that will embrace ai and see the benefits of it and use it because it's 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 inevitable it's part of the 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 new industries and you have to utilize it we will come yesterday's um news or you mm. and you will get the people that will be against it completely, and then you'll get the extremists on both sides, which we're not going to deal with. You will always get extremists. No. Um, yeah. But so if you're one of the extremists listening here, please don't take this personally. <laughs> um, so and please come discuss it with us so that we can see. I always love people's opinion on things. Um, mm. But the reality is, and what, what the point is I'm trying to make, is you will have both sides of the coin always. But looking at industry and taking the, the film and the video industry, let's take the video industry for example. Blockbuster videos and Mr. Video and those video rental companies did not want to adapt. Therefore, you, they, they don't exist anymore. The companies that, that adapted are still in existence. If you do not embrace new technology that becomes a trend like AI in your industry and you do not use it, somebody else is going to use it and they will be one step ahead of you and you will become outdated and things that become outdated becomes discarded. That's mm. how humans are. Um, the reason why we developed and are currently developing an AI legal assistant is because we know if we don't, somebody else will, and somebody else probably already did. And I don't want to be left behind. And the ability mm. is there. It's a tool we can use, but it's my responsibility to make sure that tool is firstly proper, used correctly, and does not have, as far as reasonably possible, the ability to be misused by somebody else. Um, yeah. 
but that's the thing. It's not Terminator. I'm not creating Terminator. Although you can come visit our office and you will see see the being itself. It's it's a web based <laughs> AI, but we created an interface that looks like a robot for yeah. marketing purposes. But mm. some people will freak out because all of a sudden I've got a Terminator in my office. It doesn't look like the Terminator, but the the mental pictures being created by people. If I say I've got an AI and you can come talk to her in my office, she is standing there. They like, oh, it's the Terminator. We're, like you say, we're we're not heading towards the Terminator. I might be wrong, um, and I'll be the first to admit it if I am. But I don't <laughs> well, we'll think... see each other in the afterlife. Cause, yes. Uh... yes. Um, I, I also don't think, um, you know, looking at um, people that think that AI is coming to take their job. Yes, AI is coming to take your job. But if you think of how tech has evolved, 20 years ago, there was no such thing as a social media manager. Yes. And there was no such thing as um, social media marketing. Those are new things from the last like 20 years. Mm -hmm. And in 20 years time, they'll probably be gone because in my opinion, social media is dying, and, yes. um, at least in its current form. Um, yeah. So the, the jobs that are kind of emerging out of this AI thing are the same that emerged out of the first kind of tech revolution. They haven't been invented yet. We're kind of making things up as we go well, along. Exactly. And if you're not willing to make things up as you go along, you are going to get left behind, like you say. So, yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing. It's throughout history, from the beginning of recorded history, that has been the scenario. New technology will take the jobs of old technology and therefore people adapt to the new technology because simultaneously it creates new jobs. Yeah, um, and I'm taking the car industry here as an example. Cars used to be welded by hand. Mm. Then the electric welding, those robot arms came in. I'm skipping a few steps, obviously. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but somebody needs to service the robot arm that welds. Mm. Somebody needs to code it. Somebody needs to manufacture it. Somebody needs to maintain it. Mm. All of a sudden, there's, yeah, the welder, welding the vehicle panels don't have a job anymore, but he might be able to code. It's, it's just mm. this where one door closes, another one opens concept. Yeah. And, and people should look at that. And artists, for instance, um, Imagine the ability you would have as an artist if a lot of your conceptualization is done with an AI. You're going to save hours and you can paint way more. If a client comes to you and they're like, yeah, I've got this idea for a commission. I'm taking this as a scenario. I had a discussion with one of our clients. He was an artist. I said, use the AI. If a client comes to you for a commission, how long does it take for you to just get concepts across the board is like weeks. Like, how many concepts can you generate through AI? No, it's like you're probably thousands in a week. I'm like, yeah. So use AI to generate the actual concepts for the client to approve and then start painting. And we mm -hmm. had a discussion last week where he actually thanked me for it um, to say, well, yeah, he didn't realize that aspect. He's a traditional artist he still uses paint on a canvas but he uses mm. ai to figure out what a client wants in a visual context without having to paint versions of it and then he takes the concept 
and then he's like, okay, the client knows this, and he scratches over the concept until they're happy, and then he starts painting his mural. Mm. But it saves weeks in his development, therefore he can paint three more paintings in that week. And mm. it's a tool that you can utilize towards what you're already yeah. doing in most instances. Um, I'm not I mean, saying the earning, the earning potential kind of increases as well along with that. I mean, you, you become faster at your outputs, you become yes. more productive, um, and uh, you can kind of focus your attention on the stuff that you really enjoy doing rather than like... I know, I, like, if you're an artist, you probably enjoy conceptualizing. But, um, you know, uh, I suppose it also boils down to what you enjoy doing. But if you can produce work of a good quality faster, I don't know, it's like, like that Venn diagram, fast, uh, cheap, fa and... Yeah, uh, yeah I know. What is, fast, fast, cheap, and cheap good. And, and good. But now yeah. AI has the ability to, in certain scenarios, turn that diagram on its head because now yes, i can yeah. do good and cheap and because of ai i can do it fast yeah who doesn't want that all of a sudden <laughs> exactly. I've got a, yeah. uh, me or you or anybody has an advantage on the competitors because mm. i make sure it's good and i make sure it's because it's good i can offer it not cheap i hate the word cheap but more cost effective at a, good, at a cost effective at a rate cost. yeah why because the ai may, gave me the ability to do it quick so i don't mm. need to overcharge you because i spent less time that time that i would have but i still ensure that it's good uh, mm. it's it's a tool that people should within reason and within boundaries and the ethical concerns and legal concerns always taken mm. into account utilize within the potential and the intention it was created but mm. we're still in early early days of ai and there's still a lot of a lot of things that we will face and deal with and questions and issues that we will need to yeah. hash out before we get to a finalization but yeah, yeah as 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 soon as precedents start getting set then i think people will yes. become more comfortable um it's just no one wants to go first no one wants to no, be the first person to you no one wants to be the third first person to sue so yeah as soon as precedents are set then true. um a lot of cases on that point a lot of cases has gone to court most most of them have settled out of court so we don't really have precedents yet i think there's there are a few recent ones um from abroad i'm talking under correction but there there is a lot of people that thankfully already went first um, mm -hmm. But it's going to take time. It's it's not an overnight thing, and and mm -hmm. a lot of things will need to change. First and foremost, people's perception, and then yeah. we can work with, deal with the rest. So yeah. yeah, I'm not saying it's adopted like it's a cuddly bunny. Um, I'm just saying <laughs> don't don't put it in a corner and forget about it because then mm. then we're going to look at scary stuff coming. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, just at least try and understand it before before you make up your mind. I think that's yeah, that's sort of the the one thing. If anything goes to anybody, uh, just just try and try and understand it without just accepting what people say. Just mm. make up your own mind, and to make up your own mind about AI, 
you need to actually interact with it on your own. You can't make up your own mind based on what other people says. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um. I'd (laughs) like to, no, 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 I'd like to uh, kind of uh, round off the conversation because I think that that's probably quite a good Mm -hmm. place to leave it um, in terms of the conversation. So I'd like to round off the conversation with uh, some quick, quick fire questions. Um, The first, the first (laughs) one, the first one's not really a question. Um, It's more of a challenge. Um, Yes. And, well, it, it's probably an easy one for you because I don't know much about IP law. So tell me something I don't know about IP law. <laughs> um, yo, that, that, that's actually a challenging question because which one do I, <laughs> do I choose? Um, <laughs> one thing that, that people don't know about IP law is it's that it is largely misunderstood. <laughs> that, that's the one thing. And that it is not as expensive as you might think. I think that's... That's two of the things that I can leave with them because people tend to misunderstand it. They don't understand the, the differences between those four main elements of IP law. Mm. And they believe it is extremely expensive for some odd reason. It's not. Um, mm. I, dealing in intellectual property and getting IP protection and advice is not expensive, um, depending on who you go to naturally. But yes, yeah. Yeah, so that's I think the two things that most most people, including I assume you, didn't know. It's yeah, it's not, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's not expensive, and you might not know anything about IP. You you admitted you don't know a lot about IP, but a lot of people don't know anything about IP, although they think mm. they do. Okay, cool. Um, Second question, uh, which is actually a question. We're into the question round now. So um, is there any kind of specific thing or routine that you do that you believe contributes to the success of your business besides developing an I and AI? (laughs) (laughs) No. um, Well, the one thing, and I tell this to to people often, is um, embrace yourself, if that makes sense. and the reason I say this is I get asked the question often like or told like you don't look like a lawyer I'm like yeah I know I don't, what does a lawyer look like <laughs> well, what do you mean I look like a lawyer I'm a lawyer and I look like this therefore I look like a lawyer um, but but it's that in any in any business you do business and you work at your business majority of the time of a day if you're not doing that true to you if you're not comfortable and authentic about it you're going to be miserable because you're lying to yourself and we're not programmed like that as humans so Mm. be ethical be be professional in your industry i'm not saying be a slacker and things like that but don't try and be someone or something you're not you can be in my case have long hair tattoos sit in a t-shirt and still be brilliant at intellectual property law and what mm. happens is the people that most of our clients enjoy that because they 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 feel comfortable dealing with us because we are the same we're not the guys mm. in the suits yes the guys in the suits have specific clients they need they they approach and they need to be in suits mm. but taking that scenario into any business is if you are true to yourself and honest with yourself, people feel more comfortable and they trust you. And at the end of the day, people do business with people. People know when somebody's not being authentic. Mm. So that's, that's what my routine is. 
not trying to fake it. Awesome. Yeah, great advice. Um, third question, uh, what do you do when you're not working on your business? I know as a business person and as a lawyer, <laughs> there's like not much time left to to play with. But uh, in um, the five minutes between four and f- five past four in the morning. <laughs> that, that's actually very easy in my cases. I, in the current year, well, years, I spend time with, with my son in the sense that He's obsessed with Lego and I'm obsessed with Lego. So we build Lego together. <laughs> or uh, we Amazing. go outside and have fictional um, lightsaber fights. And my wife's sitting and laughing at us while she's reading our books. So, yes, it's very cliche. But if I'm not working, I make sure I spend as much time as possible with my family. Because, mm. like you said, as a business owner, you don't have that many. T- we don't work from nine till five. Um, mm. getting time to spend with your family is not as easy as it would be with somebody that works a normal, for a normal salary. Therefore, mm. the moment you get, just overdo it. <laughs> the moment you get to <laughs> your family, overdo it. And I, I'm, I'm very good at overdoing things. <laughs> <laughs> it's really difficult because, you know, they always say, um, you know, on your deathbed, you're not going to wish you'd spent more time at work. But yeah. like when you run your own business, um, yeah. there's, you, you're going to have to graft. Uh, someone yeah. once told me that when you own, open your own business, you trade the nine to five for 24 seven. And yeah, they weren't joking. No. So no, um, no, they weren't. Yeah. They weren't. Um, which brings me just briefly that second question you had: What's your routine? Mm. If you're going to do this as a business owner, twenty four seven, do it on your own terms. Don't don't mm. don't do it according to other people's terms. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, fourth question: um, yes. If all the books in the world spontaneously combust, um, except for one, what would it be and why? And um, I want to maybe—I don't know if you want to do a book um, because you've got like a thousand vinyls pasted on the wall behind ah. you. You can do—you can do an album as well. So if all yes. the—if uh, all the albums in the world suddenly spontaneously combust, what would it be and why? What's the one I would say? Which? What's um, the one you, you yeah, would save? What, yeah. What's the one I would save is—is People will laugh at me, but it's it's a specific Fuck of Polisicard album, um, on, and I can't recall the exact one. Which is, but there's a song on that where 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 um, and I'm gonna paraphrase uh, for some reason, but <laughs> but, but um, basically, the, and the reason I'm not gonna sing the song is because it's Polisicard, and you can imagine the words in it. But, but the message, <laughs> the message that comes across in that mes- thing is. Um, I'm not going to fit into your your um, version of society. I will be myself. Um, mm. Just and the, the specific sentence I want to say, I'm really not going to say because they say it very, very true to the to the way they are. But it, but it's just basically up yours to the way you think I must live my life. I will live it the way I want to. Um, and the reason I, I choose that that album where that song is on is it's that is if everybody lived that way imagine Mm. how wonderful society would be we would all be comfortable being ourselves and we would all be comfortable with other people being themselves Mm. it's it would be it would be perfect um 
within reason. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it's to me, music is is the the message behind music is so important, and I think the message. And a lot of people will disagree with me for choosing that, but that's the nice thing about opinion. It's mine, and if you don't like it, mm. I I accept your opinion. Please accept mine. But it's that. It's can, yeah. can I just say the Fuku Felicicar collection of all the albums and leave it at that? Yes. Okay. okay. That's perfect. <laughs> awesome. Final question. Um, what one piece of advice do you wish you'd received when you started your business? Yo. <laughs> the one piece of that, that's a that's a difficult one because I tend not to always listen to other people's advice. <laughs> because I thanks for your advice, but I'll 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 still do the Yeah, it doesn't I sound I like I, I know what well that's that's the beauty of advice is that you can no, choose like, based on the advice uh, not to follow it and go in a different yeah, direction. So when like, I <laughs> when I I honestly and I really honestly can say there's not really a piece of advice I wish I got when I started my business um that that I haven't for the reason that I haven't got I actually went out and spoke to a lot of people and went to people I I I, I um I appreciate it and I looked up to in the industry and in the business industry and the legal industry and I made sure that the advice I got when starting the business I got um, mm. so it's difficult for me to say I wish I got that piece of advice when starting the business but I can say in life I have one is I wish mm. that somebody told me earlier in life that don't listen to the people that that try and put you down because they are the people that are threatened by you. Um, mm. I got that advice way before I, I, I started a business and I adopted in my business. Those people that will criticize you in a negative way. Crit critique is amazing because you know what you're doing wrong and you know how to adapt it. And you can always, some critique is like, yeah, okay, thank you, but I'm, I'm happy mm. with that critique. Um, but some people will criticize you and your business for the sake of it for one specific reason. They are threatened by you, which means their critique mm. is a confirmation that you are succeeding. And I wish somebody told me that early in life. Um, it would have made a lot of difference in life. Well, I'm saying that now. I think everything that happened to me and everybody in their lives brings them to where they should be. So it's I said it with a tinge of salt. I wish I got that advice mm. earlier, but the reason I got that advice when I got it means I appreciated it more. Um, mm. But I think that's something that I would have liked having when I was really, really small and tiny. Yeah. But, but <laughs> yeah, I hope okay. that's a good answer, but that's the oh. answer. That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, thanks, Christian. This has been uh, super interesting. Um, and I think that I've taken my at least my first step in kind of getting on top of the the copyrights in Gen AI thing. Um, but I think <laughs> that like like we said before we pressed record again, uh, yeah. this is such a big topic that uh, it's it's going to be revisited by thousands of different podcasts oh, yeah. and experts um, before before anyone actually kind of grasps the full thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, where can people get hold of you? Um, you, you, I know you said you're very active on social. Um, I'm connected with you on LinkedIn. Um, yes. Are you on other social platforms? Um, we are on every social platform 
well, I say everyone, everyone that most of the um, most of the public knows. Um, easiest way is just go onto our website, uh, stainip.com. Um, all our links are there. Um, at stainip on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, go check out our YouTube channel. That we've got a lot of content there to try and educate people. Um, but we're mostly active on um, YouTube, Instagram, mm. and Facebook because it's just my generation that's the sort of the social media we are comfortable with we have people dealing with others um but our our website is sort of the go-to our website has mm. everything all our links all our contact details our address our everything is there and from there you can you can venture into the abyss of whatever you 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 are interested in um, so stainip.com and if you are, i know we mentioned our firm's ai um mm. it's called i know like an i know but it's spelled a i n n o um mm. but you can go on to stainip.ai um to start engaging with it it's still being developed it's still in the the the, the training phase um but go there and inter oh, interact with it and see see what you think of it i think that's a good way for people that are scared of ai just go check that out um mm. you don't have to be scared <laughs> so, uh, it's like but, but a yeah. chatbot i was playing around i was playing around with it a little bit before we jumped on the call and um mm -hmm. it's kind of like a chatbot on steroids it's uh yes. it's that's... not uh it's it's not uh yeah, it's it's nothing to be afraid of, and and the no. the responses that it gives are are very kind of easy to understand, and um, yes. and, and, you know, and, layman's um, terms as well, which is great. That's the thing, and and yeah, her personality is odd, hey. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's very but, like, yay, high energy. I know, <laughs> but, but that's the nice thing about 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 the technology, and I think that's what people would 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 appreciate that they. They shouldn't be afraid of it because at the end of the day, it's nothing new. It's just a new way of doing things already. And you saying it's a chatbot and on steroids is actually a good way to explain it because chatbots are common. People know chatbots. Look, it's not a chatbot because chatbots are pre-programmed answers and things like that. Mm -hmm. But people understand the concept of a chatbot. Now, you're doing a chatbot with something that can actually grasp your question and give you an answer that you would understand not just a pre-programmed answer but mm. people are okay with chatbots so you should be okay with ai um yeah again simplifying it and generalizing it a lot but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> i think you know, sorry again it, venturing into it, way it, it, Stay in a complex world, where you get us. <laughs> <laughs> in a complex world, simple is the king. So, yeah, um, yeah. awesome. Um, thanks, Christian. This has been fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks again for taking the time. I've really enjoyed this. No, it, it was amazing. I think we we will be able to chat for a, a, a AI podcast on its own. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, <laughs> no. Thank you, thank you for for um having me on uh it, it was sure. amazing and i really really enjoyed the discussion and the topics so yeah well, i hope to chat awesome. again soon and i'm sure we will <laughs> brilliant
follow the Business of Podcast on my website, megamillist.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Megamillist. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Megan Darcy, M-E-G-A-N-D apostrophe A-R-C-Y. Chat soon.